Amen. 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 Turn on your Bibles or open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15 while we hear it read first of all by Johnny Cash. Chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Let's look at that again. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Moreover, this is one of his longest chapters he's ever written. 1 Corinthians 13 is called the love chapter, and chapter 15 is called the resurrection chapter or the gospel chapter. Moreover, this is most important, brethren and sistren, I declare to you the gospel, the good news. That's what gospel means in Greek, the good news, the eulogio, 
which I preached to you, which you received, and in which you stand. So the gospel is preached, the gospel is received, and we stand in the benefits of our salvation. The good news of Christ has come and saved us. Verse 2, by which also you are saved. We're saved by that good news. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So faith in the gospel is not mental assent. It's not nodding your head or raising your hand or blinking your lights or honking your horn. It is the standing in it. I'm devoting my life to the cause of Christ because he's given his life for me. Verse 3, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Now here's the gospel. Here is the good news. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So why did he die? He died for our sins. The wages of sin is death. Justice must be served. Wrongs must be righted. There's no thing in God's kingdom that is swept under the rug. It must be dealt with so that no creature in all of creation, in history, in time and space, be it spiritual, above the earth and under the earth, can point their finger at him and say he's unjust or he is turning a blind eye to wickedness. He's all pure, all righteous, so sin must be paid for. So I have a friend that asked a judge to... uh, you know, let his ticket go because he had the power, right, just to let it go. And the judge told him later, the Lord told me not to let it go, but to pay the fine for you. Because of righteousness, justice must be served. So the fact that our sins penalty has been expunged, it's not because God turns a blind eye, but because he paid a price for you and I. That is the order of creation. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, verse 4, and he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, which is Aramaic for Simon's new name, Peter in Greek. He was seen, first of all, by Peter. Peter's the one that uh, found the empty tomb first of the apostles. Then by the twelve. Now, the twelve is not the little number twelve, but the twelve is the group known as the 12, and we understand it's minus one because Judas had offed himself by this time, betraying the Lord and committing suicide. They're still called the 12, and they had a vote and replaced him. Anyway, then by the 12, after that, verse 6, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. So if these appearances of Jesus were visions or wishes, or dreams, or some sort of mystical apparition, imagining, you know, the shape of a cloud is the baby Jesus, or there's an impression in one of our couches back there in the project room that looks like someone's face, and we joked the other day, hey, we could put this on the news. (laughs) Fill the place with superstitious people. Oh, it's the face of Jesus on a couch at Generations. No, it wasn't that kind of thing. 500 people at the same time. Witness the risen Lord at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. So this was some 25, maybe 25 plus years after the resurrection. So some of those people had passed onward to their eternal reward, but over half of them, 251 or more, were still alive that had witnessed the risen Savior's appearance at the same time, simultaneously. 
of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep, some have gone onwards. For believers in Jesus, death is just a physical ceasing to exist in a human body, but to be present with the Lord. We're asleep in Jesus, so we actually don't die. After that, verse 7, he was seen by James. We don't have a biblical record of when this happened, but his brother James witnessed him. And then by all the apostles. So this is more than the 12 or the 11. This is all the apostles. The Lord raised up other apostles. Don't let anybody tell you there was only 12 apostles. There was at one time he, he commissioned 70 people to go out and minister door to door. So these are dozens of people. They all witnessed the risen Savior. Verse 8. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. He saw the risen Savior at his conversion. And his conversion wasn't because he made the right choice. His conversion was because God apprehended him, and after seeing the risen Savior, he was blind for three days. Reckon that'll get your attention? The Lord healed him, saved him, and he became no longer the greatest opponent to the spread of the gospel, but the greatest proponent to it, from opponent to proponent. Verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle. An apostle is an emissary or a sent one, a missionary, a church planner, because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Verse 11, Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. So convincing was Paul's conversion and conversation with the risen Savior. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So convincing was that he became a radical evangelist, church planner, apostle, mighty leader in the kingdom, wrote over half the books in the New Testament. Verse 12, now as Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how does some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, verse 15, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. He's speaking proverbial, of course. If, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. The King James Version says the most miserable. But now, verse 20, Christ is risen from the dead. And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen to sleep. For since by man came death, through Adam's sin, by man also came the resurrection of the dead, through the righteousness and gift of Christ. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, who is known as the last Adam, all should be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. So he's the first eternally resurrected man, and we are going to follow when he returns. Verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule 
and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Are you glad about it? Christ is risen. Christ is risen. We're going to speak today on honoring the resurrection. We're in a series called Honoring God and More. So each week we're honoring a different aspect of God or something that God instituted, like marriage, the family, womanhood. One day we're going to preach on manhood. And so last Sunday we spoke on honoring Passover. I recommend if you're confused as the correlation between the gospel and the Passover, check it out, check it out. So brief review, the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 15. He said, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, but which also you are saved. So this is how salvation comes. You have the gospel preached to you. It could be someone face-to-face with you. It could be a service like this. It could be something you read. The gospel is preached to you, and then you receive it, and then you stand in it. You give your life to it. And by that is how we are saved. With the heart we believe, with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. So we make a stand with our mouth. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the Son of God, and you rose from the dead for me. That's how it all begins. And then here is the gospel. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Say sin. sin. My, sin. My sin. Tell your neighbor your sin. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now, we had a guest speaker two years in a row over the early part of 2019 and early part of 2020 named Dan Moeller. Radical speaker, filled the building up with very little spreading of the word. It just is amazing. Uh, One of his talks is over 300,000 downloads. And what is his message? He applies the gospel to every single part of your life. He confronts unforgiveness with the gospel. He confronts bitterness with the gospel. He confronts pettiness with the gospel. He confronts harsh judgmentalism with the gospel. He's in your face with the hard-hitting truth of the gospel. Why? Christ died for our sins. What are we doing living in it? He died for our sins. What are we doing living in bondage? He came to set us free from sin's penalties. Stop putting people on probation. Stop putting your children on guilt trips. I know what you did last year. Don't remember. Man, he died to put an end to sins, reign in our lives. Here's one of the scriptures. It's according to the scriptures. Isaiah 53, verse 8. He was taken from prison. Remember, he was thrown in jail. And from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? He died without any children. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he did this for our sins, for our transgressions. Verse 3, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. He also heard the gospel preached and received it and was baptized three days later when he was healed of his blindness. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried 
This also was according to the scriptures. Verse 9 of Isaiah 53 said, And he made his grave with the wicked, died and was buried in a graveyard. And with the rich in his death, a rich man loaned his tomb, gave it to him, not knowing it was going to be on loan. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. So he was innocent, he died for our sins, and he was buried according to the scriptures. And he rose again. This also was predicted in the scriptures. David prophesied in Psalm 16, verse 9 through 11. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol or Hades or hell or the grave. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Christ was raised before his body began to rot. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Christ is the fulfillment of this. So he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Hosea 6.2 says this, After two days he will revive us. In the third day he will raise us up. And we shall live in his sight. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now this always generates a question. He said as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the earth. So was it two days? If he rises from the dead the third day, is it two days? Now, I know the whole Good Friday scenario confuses people. Tradition set in years ago. He didn't die on the Friday. He died before the Sabbath, but it was a holiday Sabbath. We covered this last week. There were festival Sabbaths, and so Passover began seven days of unleavened bread, the first of which was a Sabbath, a day they didn't work, and the last of which was a day they didn't work. And those days do not fall on the seventh day. So he died and was buried before sunset on the day he died because it was a festival Sabbath coming. So we can debate when that day was. But back to this scripture. If, if he's going to be buried three days and three nights, how could he be raised up in the third day? All right. Now let's think mathematically. I was born 66 years ago. So I've had 66 birthdays, right? Not true. You got to count the day I was born. That's my first birthday. Not even a year old, but I've had 67 birthdays, right? This church started in 91. So this is 2023. So you could say we've had 32 resurrection day services, right? Not true. you got to count that first year. We have had 33. This is our 33rd resurrection day celebration. Isn't that awesome? You with me? All right. It, those of you who are musicians, you understand this. A normal diatonic scale is eight steps. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, do. Sorry. I'm flat there. Just to make you cringe. Each of those eight notes are called steps. So the very first note is a step. From silence to note. That's the first step. Do, re, mi. Do, re, mi. That's one, two, three, three steps. Right? 
So the day Christ died, if you count that, that's the first step, right? He was alive, now he's dead. So that's how you get three days. Anyway, you want to debate me, come up to me afterwards. <laughs> he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. But some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Now, there are all sorts of explanations trying to explain away the resurrection. That Jesus actually didn't die, that he swooned, that the professional executioners didn't know what they were doing. I mean, this, the further you go, that he got up from his low blood state, dehydrated state, and rolled a heavy stone away and overcame some guards who were on duty around the clock. It, it, you see, you're already using a lot of faith in this conjecture. So, there is belief that, well, the, the disciples came up with a conspiracy. Yes, the guys that were afraid and hiding for their lives came up with a conspiracy to steal the body and then say Jesus rose from the dead. The Babylon Bee took that to task, and here's a little video demonstration of how that could have played out. Just for the sake of humor, watch this. Are we all here? I need 100% participation for this to work. Yeah, everyone's here. All 12, 11, 11 of us. Well, what's the plan? Well, as you know, Jesus is dead. But stick with me, stick with me, okay? Stick with me. I have a plan. We are going to steal his body. Okay, okay, I'm tracking with you. What's next? And then we're going to tell the whole world that you rose from the dead. Oh, okay. oh, you know I'm in. I love it already. <laughs> all right, classic, classic. Then what? And then we're all going to get brutally murdered. Oh! <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Come again, come again. Could you go over that last part real, real quick? Oh, what? We get murdered. What's the problem? Uh... I, I like it. Don't get me wrong, Pete. I love me a good hoax as much as the next guy, right? Right? Uh, uh, what's in it for us? Get this. You're going to be hated, hated, persecuted, and reviled for the rest of your life! Oh! Okay, guys. Okay, fellas, 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 fellas. Uh, look, uh, I, I, I gotta be missing something here, right? <laughs> okay? I mean... Can we start over? Oh, okay. We'll start from the beginning. Everybody, for John, yeah. the beloved disciple. So, okay. We go down to Jesus' tomb. I, sounds good. This yes. is really yes. easy. Then, we pay off the Roman soldiers that are guarding the tomb with their lives. Why, why would they do that? Then, we somehow roll away the big stone that's in front of the tomb. Obviously, you have to move the rock first. Yeah. And then we steal his body. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess. Then we tell the whole world that he rose from the dead and we get brutally murdered for our troubles. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, guys. Okay, and then what? When do we see ourselves become exalted and praised? That's just it. You don't! <laughs>
most idiotic plan of all time. What is wrong with you guys? Thomas. Okay, look, back me up here. I know you can't be cool with all this. I know you gotta have some doubts. Come on. Doubts? I will never have any doubts! Okay, okay, you guys have officially lost it, okay? I am out of here. I I'd rather be exiled to a deserted island than spend another minute with you wackos. Have I got some good news for you? There's nine things I want you to consider. I share this for two reasons, for the honest skeptic, but also for the believer to be equipped to be able to, to discuss the resurrection. You know, in our culture, we just can't say because the Bible says so. History says there's a real Jesus who really lived and really died. It's without question. Those that say otherwise, sorry, they're a day late and a dollar short. So here's evidences for the resurrection. They all start with E, not to be cute, but for the sake of your memory. So you can remember. If you can remember the E, you'll get the rest of the phrase. There's the empty tomb. No body was ever found. Explanation, body was stolen away. Well, the other evidences blow that out of the water. Guards were put on duty. It would be a crime for them to fall asleep or a crime for them to allow this to happen. They would be punished severely for that. There was a Roman seal put on the stone that if you broke the seal, that would be a big offense. The empty tomb. The enraged enemies. They wanted to put an end to Jesus' life and an end to his influence. They were enraged before he died. They were certainly enraged after his resurrection. And they took it out on his followers. They wanted to end his influence. They wanted to end his life. They made sure he was dead. They used the Bible as best they could to put an end to his life and pulled up out of context the verse about blasphemy in Leviticus 24. If Christ was lying, then he would have been blasphemer and insane who he was and he would be guilty of death. But he wasn't lying. Who knows that's the truth? So his enemies made sure there could be no fake resurrection. They thought that was a danger, so they took great precautions so that that could never happen because not just because they wanted him dead, but they wanted his movement dead. He upset their apple cart. He cost them money. He cost them influence. He cost them their own disciples. There's the eyewitnesses up to 500 at once that Paul referred to and says, you guys can go interview. Well, over half of them are still alive. You know, less than 250 are already gone on to meet their reward. But those that are alive, you can, you can meet them. And he gives the names of other eyewitnesses. And the eyewitness testimonies of some of those people are recorded in the Bible. John Mark wrote his gospel, the gospel of Mark. He was related to Peter. So Peter's words are in his book. Luke wrote the book of Acts. Also, he interviewed people when he wrote his book. This, Matthew was one of the 12, one of the 11, who wrote his gospel. John was one of the 11 when he wrote his gospel. So their gospels are eyewitness testimony. And if you remove 
respect for eyewitness testimony, you, did, you destroy the judicial systems of the world. We don't have any hope for justice or law and order. Eyewitness testimony stands. Can you say stand? It just does. Now, here's what's unique. In many courtrooms, eyewitness testimonies contradict each other. He hit me with the blue car. No, he hit her with the white car. It's just the way witnesses are. So the unity between these eyewitness testimonies is absolutely amazing, stunning. This is an indication that it happened. The empowered followers, the guys who were scared of their shadow, did not recant their story, their faith, their testimony, the gospel in the face of torture, loss, shame, death. Something happened. The church got a foothold and still moving on today because of the resurrection. The engaged family. Now, kin folks, they won't go along with your delusions. Uh, Jesus said a prophet can be honored everywhere except in their own hometown. Remember Billy Carter? What an embarrassment he was. Anybody ever drink some Billy beer? Our presidents have had kinfolks that have been kind of an embarrassment. They'll denounce them. Remember President Reagan? Remember, well, I don't want to get into all that stuff, but family don't go along with delusions. His family believed the resurrection, became leaders in the church. Two of his brothers wrote books in the New Testament. Something happened. The empire resisted the spreading of the gospel for three plus centuries. And that stopped and it became the official religion of the Roman Empire. Which forced conversion is not a good thing, but who knows the stopping of getting uh, beaten and robbed and killed, persecuted. Don't you know the church was rejoicing? Hallelujah. The empire, after trying to fight it, embraced it. You're talking about an empire based on worshiping of the emperor. Came to an end. We have the remains of that in the Roman Catholic Church. The eclipsing of Easter. Some people call Resurrection Day Easter. I try not to. It's the name of a pagan goddess named Ishtar. And this was the time of year to celebrate her. Boy, didn't her day get all convoluted. We have uh, remains of that with fertility stuff. Uh, Easter bunnies because they multiply like rabbits. And eggs because they're a sign of fruitfulness. But uh, I've never seen a chicken hatch out of a boiled egg. So... Needless to say, her day was trashed by the resurrection. Yes. Amen. And finally, the enduring results that are still with us today. You're here because of the resurrection. I don't believe in the resurrection, but you're here. Probably wouldn't be here because of that. This is a result of what happened. Centuries ago, the empty tomb, the transformed followers, the enraged enemies that made sure the crime scene stayed untampered with, thus serving the purpose of God. Isn't God so awesome? Yes. 
Even his greatest enemies are working for him. Those of us that are easily threatened by folks, don't be. Put your faith in a great big God. Oh, but the devil's at work. Oh, yeah, he is, but he's a created being. And he's going to be dealt with in time. In the meantime, God is awesome. The devil opposes God, but he's not God's opposite. God has no opposite. You know? The absence of heat is cold, or you could say the opposite of heat is cold. The absence of light is dark. You could say the opposite of light is dark. But the opposite of God is nothing. He has no opposite. I think we've got one more reason to believe. The engraving of history. What year do we live in? A.D. 2023. Versus B.C. Before Christ is B.C. A.D. is not after death. It's Anno Domino. Anno is related to time or year, like annual, right? And Domino relates to lordship or to dominate. Anybody here dominated dominoes? Call you a dominating domino player. Anyway, so it, it means the year of the Lord's reign, or the year of his lordship. So we say A.D. first, because his reign started with the life of Christ. Now, there is no zero year between B.C. and A.D. Now, obviously, this was done in post-time uh, to organize history. So time jumps from 1 B.C. to 1 A.D. So there's some iffiness there in, in which Christ actually was born. But he died around 30 A.D. We're coming upon 2,000 years from the resurrection. This was engraved in history. You can't get away from it. We are stuck with 2023. Can you imagine trying to program all the computers? Remember what a mess Y2K was? So there are efforts in history books to try to change BCE, meaning before common era, and CE to replace AD to mean common era. But it still is 2023. Why is it 2023 CE? Because of the resurrection. Deal with it. Christ is risen! Now I conclude, having shared the gospel, I pray that God gives you the grace to believe what has been proclaimed today. But I conclude with this appeal. It's a shocking appeal. Five things that God does not know. Now we as believers believe that God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows the future, the present, and the past. He knows his creation from the most minute detail to the most immense detail in the universe. God knows everything, and we say everything. everything. But there are some things he does not know. Can you say some things? Right. He does not know of anyone who is not a sinner. I know your little baby's perfect, but you just wait. <laughs> Time will show itself the nature that they have Sometimes their first word is, no. Rebellion shows itself. Or mine. Selfishness shows itself. So we are all sinners. Can we say everybody? 
God does not know a sinner he does not love. So he does not know anyone who's not a sinner, but he does not know a sinner he does not love. For God so loved the world of sinners that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but might have everlasting life. When was he begotten? I don't have time, but I can show you in the Bible. When he rose from the dead, God said, this day I have begotten you. So God so loved the world that he gave his risen son, having paid the penalty for our sins, death, burial, and resurrection, so that whoever believes in him would not perish but might have everlasting life. Third thing, God does not know. He does not know of a sin he does not hate. Sin that he hates separate the people that he loves from himself and from one another and generates all sorts of hurt in the world. Why is there wickedness in the world? We're sinners. You don't believe it? Turn on the news. Read the headlines of a national newspaper. Maybe not your community newspaper. And then sometimes it manifests itself there. So everyone's a sinner. Everyone is loved by God. But their sins must be dealt with. God does not like it. This is why everyone's not going to heaven. If unredeemed, untransformed people go to heaven, now you're in the midst of people who've been redeemed and God's in the process of transforming us. So we're not all ready for heaven yet, right? But if he took everyone there, it would become earth too. Someone would start fires. Someone would be changing the locks to your mansion or whatever we have to exist there. So it's a place in the next dimension for his people. This earthly existence is the place of transformation. God hates sin, so he's dealing with it now. God does not know of any way to save sinners whom he loves from the sin that he hates. He does not know of any way to save sinners other than through the free gift of his son. He doesn't know of any other way. Well, I'm a good person. Well, Hitler thought he was a good person. Sorry. Our goodness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. And that was written in a day when there wasn't toilet paper. Hello. Oh. We need righteousness given to us as a free gift. We need salvation. If it's by our goodness, then we have room to be prideful. There's no other way than through the Son coming to live a perfect life and then dying an unjust death and God allowing it so that what he did could be applied to our case. The penalty we owe, death being the worst penalty for the worst kind of crime. He's paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but his blood washes white as snow. And fifthly, he does not know of a better time for sinners whom he loves to be saved than today. So you're a sinner, but God loves you, and he sent his son to save you, and there's no better time for you and I to receive the benefit of that than today. Can we raise our hearts but bow our heads?
Lord, we lift our hearts up to you. We open our ears to you. And we say, Lord, if this is true, open our eyes to see our need for you. Convict us of our sins. Give us the free gift of saving faith so that we can believe, so that we can call, so that we can receive, so that we can stand. Lord, take these words that have been shared today like seed, plant them in the heart of every person in this room and make us alive in you. Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows gospel that was just preached to you so effectively by Pastor Allen is found in every part of this book. Every part of this book contains the gospel. And maybe you grew up in a church kind of like the church that I grew up in, where the gospel that was preached to you was really harsh. As a matter of fact, it was so harsh that you re- it caused you to run away. But I wanted to change your idea about the nature of God this morning. And I just want to read something to you right out of the beginning, Genesis chapter 3. Now we know the story where Eve believed the deceiver and she took of the fruit and she ate it. And through that rebellion, literally, sin entered into the world. That's why we are all sinners today. So what was the response to Adam and Eve because they sinned, they rebelled against God? Well, they went and they hid themselves. They ran away from God, just like I did when I was a kid. But I want you to hear this verse. It's uh, actually verse 9, chapter 3 of Genesis. Now, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Now, think about this, brothers and sisters. This is the Lord God Almighty who has just created all of this, and it's wonderful. 
It's perfect. And sin has entered into the world. And rather than God just stepping down and saying, okay, that's it. I'm burning it all up. We'll start again. I'm God. No, what he does is he calls out to the sinners and he says, where are you? He comes after them. And maybe you haven't ever heard that, but God, the nature of God is to come after you and is, is to call out to you and to say directly to you, where are you? Just where are you? That's his word to you today. He's made a way for you through Jesus to enter back into his presence. But he wants to know, where are you? So if that's speaking to you, I just want everybody to bow their heads. Just bow their heads. Bow, everybody bow their heads. If that speaks to you, you've heard the gospel this morning, and maybe you've run away from God like I did for so many years. I ran away because I thought God was harsh. But no, the true nature of God is the God who seeks after you. And I can show you so many places in this Bible that tells you that he is seeking after you today. Where are you? That's what he's saying to you. So if that speaks to you and you want to receive the ability to step back into his presence through Jesus this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand. You can just, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Keep your hands raised, please. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Where are you? That's the Lord speaking to you today. So those that have their hand raised, I believe that there's power in the fact that you took this action to raise your hand, to be so bold and to want to know that God that says, where are you? So there's several people here. Um, matter of fact, I want to call the prayer ministry team or a few people. We're going to need a couple of ladies up front here. To, to pray with these people, please. I don't want I don't want this opportunity to be missed. This is so important. This is eternity. These these two ladies that are sitting together over here in this, you can raise your head, heads now. You can look at me. You two, would you come up here, please? One of these ladies will pray with you, ma'am. It's a bold step. Come up here and, and be prayed for and. and enter into the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. Yes, church, it's an awesome thing. There's somebody over here in this section as well that raised their head. Come on forward. Yes, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. 